and welcome to Visa Talks, interesting discussions with interesting people from all around the world. I'm your host for today, Maria Roa, and I am delighted to be joined by Paulina Macles. Paulina has spent 10 years developing her career working in the localization industry in the supplier side, but a couple years ago joined the client side and is now localization program manager at ClickUp, where she brings products to life in new markets. Paulina has been awarded Executive MBA in 2022, congratulations, and is deeply fascinated by languages, organizational change management, and the ways localization enables growth. She's also a very well-known speaker and guest at many events where she shares her insights and knowledge in the localization field. Paulina, welcome to the show. Let's move on because I do have a number of things that I want to talk to you about. Sure, thank you very much. Well, I always like to start letting our audience know a bit more about our guests. So how is it that you come into the industry and how was the change from supplier to the client side? Mm -hmm. uh, I'm actually a translator by trade. Uh, I graduated from Jagiellonian University. I studied as a translator, uh, but thankfully, um, thankfully, I was able to join a large LSP right after I graduated. Uh, I say thankfully because um, I wouldn't be a good translator. Not that you know I don't know the language or the the craft wouldn't be there, but um, I'm too outgoing to be able to spend my entire days, you know, just sitting at my computer translating away. I need that human human contact. So thankfully, um, I joined a large LSP um, as a language lead actually, and that opened like an entirely new world that I didn't even know existed, the localization world. And I realized how complicated, how intricate and how how fascinating this world is. And it just went on from there. I went through different LSPs, different, um, different positions. Um, I had a brief romance with transcreation as well. Um, that was my uh, specialty for, for a while. Um, a bit of marketing and SEO um, localization as well. And yeah, ultimately I decided to move to the other side and see how it works on the client side. And to say the least, uh, the change was very difficult. The, the client side works entirely different from, where well, I'm sure that almost everyone knows that, but, but it works entirely different from, uh, from the supplier side. And one of the biggest challenges for me was to find myself all of a sudden in a in a situation where no one knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> because usually when you you know when you're among people in LSPs, they, they we all speak the same language, but then all yep. of a sudden you you end up with people that have absolutely no idea what you're talking about. And you need to go way to the very beginning, to the very, you know, the 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 roots of the entire idea of localization and explain things. And that was a shocker to me, honestly. I, I I needed a moment to be able to adjust and I needed a moment to change my language, to, to change how I communicate. I needed to fight some of the assumptions that I had. Um, so that was the most difficult part, I think, realizing that I'm in an entirely different environment. So there are two things that you talk about that are very interesting. One is when you said you didn't know the localization world existed, which is something common to like mostly everyone that I talked about, even myself, like when I enter mm -hmm. this, I didn't know it existed. And I think it is so mm -hmm. important. 
I kind of feel like we, that like people who work in this industry, we should be doing more to get it to know, or maybe we want it to kept it hidden for ourselves. I don't know what is it, but <laughs> many people know about the localization industry. And the mm -hmm. second thing is, did you have to build that team from scratch then? I mean, like the people that you were working with were people who were not trained for your team. So you had to train them from the, from scratch or were people that you brought in from other team, from other parts? It's, it's half, half uh, to your first, uh, to your first uh, question. I, I think that the reason why no one knows localization exists is because we do it so well, because mm. You don't notice when something is translated slash localized. Well, you don't notice it. It's just natural for you. You only notice when something is messed up, right? That's why we don't exist in the That's right. of people. They just assume yeah, it comes right. in their language. Um, and when it comes to the team, I actually inherited, well, not a team, but I inherited the program from uh, my predecessor. Um, who did localization sort of on the side. Um, she was the only person in the company who knew more or less how localization worked um, because she was trained as a localization professional, but her focus professionally was entirely different. She was a product manager. She worked on something entirely different and only did localization on the side for a couple of hours a week. And once it became big enough, they decided to bring a proper localization manager in. Um, so I did inherit a program that was, um, well, it had shaky foundations, obviously, because, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't set up, um, like by a, a localization manager who thought yeah. everything through from start to beginning, uh, not to say that it was badly set up. It was, it was set up good enough considering the, uh, the environment that my predecessor was working, uh, working in. Yes. Um, uh, but the team was created from scratch and they were all hired by me. So I didn't need to train them as such. I needed to train them on ClickUp, which is a very complicated and complex tool. And it took them a while to get a grasp of it. Um, but no, they were all people. Most of them were people that I have worked with in the past in other positions that I've known, um, that I know that I know that provide, you know, good services and are language specialists that are able to help me move this thing forward. That's great. I think that happens many times. We just like, we feel more comfortable working with people that we've met before whenever we have to handle mm -hmm. a new project. Mm -hmm. So it's That's great true. we're yeah. able to do that. Well, I mentioned before in your introduction that your presence had events. And I know you did a presentation in Lockworld 49 about how to revamp a localization program when it's already full speed ahead. Mm -hmm. um, I know this was a bit different from what you're doing right now because yours wasn't full speed ahead, but what are the key challenges when you have to do this and how can these challenges be overcome? Mm -hmm. Well, it's it's the entire idea is it's really change management. Um, so, and, and in change management, uh, the biggest issue is always, um, is that a good thing to say, but the people. It's the people who are resistant to change. And it's the people that you need to win over. Uh, it's the people that you need to explain to what's going to change and how it's going to impact their lives. Um, um, and another thing is understanding the intricacy of what you're working with. There is uh, all of a sudden you find yourself um, 
in a sort of a web of relationships and tools and different things that are intertwined and you need to decipher these relationships you need to decipher the politics behind those relationships as well um and it, it works on, on different levels from personal relationships to relationships like technical relationships between teams um even relationships between tools that are that are used by different teams um and it's really a lot of it's really a lot of uh background work like preparing um the foundation before actually moving forward and it's there's a lot of questions that you need to ask and a lot of things you need to understand before actually moving forward and introducing any sort of change i love that you talk about people because at the end uh i do always say that b2b is something that it's it's doesn't exist is 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 at the end is uh, people to people human. so exactly yeah so it is the human factor there so i i do love that you're mentioning that could you mm -hmm. share a specific example from your experience at clickup where you successfully revamp a localization program i guess like as you mentioned before it would be like the whole localization program but are there any mm -hmm. key lessons learned uh, from that experience uh yes am i What I've learned is something that I have already mentioned, um, education. And I know that we keep talking about how education and evangelization of localization is important. And it comes up in all those conferences and talks. And, and we, we keep talking about this. But when you actually end up in a company that is already structured and you're just one person and you need to talk to hundreds of people all of a sudden and explain to hundreds of people um, what localization is, Um, it might be overwhelming. And uh, my biggest lesson is, um, well, my biggest regret is that I didn't start from education. Um, I assumed people knew and I ended up in a very difficult situation where um, these assumptions led me to situations where there were more questions than answers. Mm. But um, What is what is very important introducing any sort of change is well is boils down to empathy basically just put yourself in the shoes of of other people and uh, try to try to understand how your work impacts their work and you need to make the change uh, attractive to them you need to explain to them what that will give them and how this will change their work for better because otherwise what's what's in it for them why would they help you introduce change and you need their help you never introduce change alone um you need their help to be able to uh, to do that and um i think what is also very important is that you need to understand the journey that is ahead of the company um clickup is figuring out this journey We still haven't figured out where we want to go. And it's very difficult to navigate localization if you don't know where it's heading. Mm. Um, so it's very important to keep asking questions, to keep checking with the teams that are um, moving the product forward, that are bringing new features, to understand where the product is going and how localization can support that. I always view localization as sort of a internal service, so to speak. Uh, one of the many things that localization does, of course, but 
um, I position myself within ClickUp, and this is something that I have learned also um, when revamping that program, is that I position myself as, a, as, a, as an internal service. I help you bring forward whatever work you're doing. I'll, I help you get this work visible in other languages. I basically do the same thing as you do, only in, different, in a different language. And it changed the optics a bit because then the, these people understand that you're working for them, not against them, or not uh, in parallel, somehow, you know, on a different path. You're working with them, you're helping them, and you're working towards the same goal. And that's very helpful when they understand that. Yeah. So we're talking about training and knowing where you go to. Those are like the main takeaways that you thought education and knowing where you need to go to. Correct. Yeah, great takeaways. And we've been talking a lot about how you navigated that change uh, with your team. But what mm -hmm. about when it comes to working with suppliers, tools, reference materials? Was there like mm -hmm. any specific uh, change or oh, anything yes. that you, yeah, <laughs> that you needed we to learn? We changed everything or I changed everything. Um, so the way that the program was set up was that um, no one ever, for two years, over two years, no one reviewed the, contact, the content that was provided. The glossaries never got updated. They never never changed. The style guides were very broad and general. It didn't really, um, there wasn't really much to apply to our specific content. Um, so once I asked all the questions and I understood more or less where we're going, what we need, um, well, basically everything changed from tools, uh, starting with our TMS that was chosen based on um the person who first started, set up that TMS, that person was way, way even before my predecessor. Um, that was the only TMS that they knew how it worked. So they chose it. But, you know, <laughs> that's not yeah. how you choose a TMS, right? Uh, yeah. And I'm not, I'm not blaming anyone. Absolutely not. It was, you know, it was a choice that was probably made with the best knowledge that they had back then. Um, but I very quickly realized that it doesn't really meet our needs, none of our needs. So that was one of the major changes that was that was introduced. Um, we had to review all our glossaries. We out of like 60 terms, all of a hundred, uh, all of a sudden there was almost 200. And the teams that we were that were that we were working with, um, they were shocked. And it was very difficult. Change management also happens between you and your suppliers, because as I said, all of a sudden, hey, we have a new tool and you need to start working with a new tool. Uh, we updated our TMs and now the rules of working with our TMs are different. We added like a hundred new terms to our glossary and now you need to keep up with the new glossary and so on and so on and so on. And obviously there'll be, there'll be resistance because, hey, we did this for like past two years this way. Why all of a sudden are we making a change? And this is, um, it's very helpful to have, uh, this is where my my team consists of language leads, language owners, people who help me manage quality. They, apart from, you know, running LQAs and answering queries, they are the guardians of our of our tone of voice and language in, in a given country. And it's very, these are the people that I relied on in introducing that change. 
they were the ones that helped me speak to the um, suppliers in the way that this change was this change was introduced smoothly. They understood where it's coming from. They understood the background. They understood uh, why these changes are made. And also the language release were able to explain certain changes, like specific changes in the glossary in their language on this specific example, which I wouldn't be able to do because I don't speak most of those languages that we localize into, right? And um, it was very helpful. It was very helpful. And I, I really, even if you don't have an option to have like a contractor or an internal um, language owner, it's very useful to have someone, even on the supplier side, someone you trust, um, like that one person who becomes the guardian of your of your language that you can go to to help other to to help guide other people. It sounded like you had a tough job when you first started. You had to change. Ooh, I everything. still have a tough job. Navigating change, <laughs> <laughs> making everybody understand why everything needed to be different, but it's working. So congratulations for that. It is. It is working. I mean, you know, I it has its ups and downs, obviously, uh, but um, it does work in a sense that it's. I managed to create a process that is repeatable. So when we introduce a new mm -hmm. language, it's it's a breeze. It's just it just flows. Of course, there are you know ups and downs and hiccups and and stuff happens, but but that's that's just life, right? Yeah, that is. <laughs> So I wanted to ask you, um, in the context of globalization, what are the most important elements of a successful localization strategy for companies looking to expand their international presence? Mm -hmm. That's a very broad question. It's a very broad question that I think each company um, needs to answer on their own. Um, let, let me approach the question from a different perspective. I think the biggest... Um, the biggest mistake that companies make is they focus on too many markets mm. uh, at once. And it is something that has happened to ClickUp as well. Um, when we localized our product, we went into four languages at once. And then a couple of years later, it turned out that some of these languages are not as important and we should have focused on different ones. Um, so it's really... It's really important to understand what and where you want to achieve and where your where your product is already um, it, uh, where it already exists to an extent that you can build on that uh, on that presence. Um, I recently I think everyone wrote uh, read that book um, taking your company global by Natalie Kelly. Yeah. Um, it's it's an amazing book. I mean, it opened my eyes to so many things, and and I realized how much how much work it is to uh, build an international strategy, and how much it might seem weird, but just to a certain moment, I was con convinced that it's my job, and then I realized that it's 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 not. It's international. It's not a one person's job. It's never one person's job, and and. Um, this is another mistake that um, that happens, uh, that people assume that you can just have an international expansion manager or localization manager and they'll do the job. They don't need anyone else's support. But it's a uh, it's a company wide. Um, it's a company wide um, effort, really. 
multidisciplinary, multidimensional. There's so many people that need to be involved in this. And yes, it, there has to be a leader, of course, but but it's never one person's job. And it's it, that, that frustration that was coming from the fact that, you know, I thought it's my job and no one listened to me. And I was so, so angry and frustrated that I couldn't do it. It, it went away. It went away because I realized I need to be, I need to be building a team, like a, a team of, uh, sorry, a, a team, not necessarily a team, but, but a, a relationships with people that can help me get there. Yeah. But I think from what you comment, I mean, the, 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 the question is answered. I mean, one of the most successful, I mean, I mean, sorry, one of the most important things uh, companies should be looking at to have a successful successful localization strategy is knowing which markets they want to go and having like a timeline to go to those markets, mm -hmm. you know, so it mm -hmm. is objectives, which is something that you talked before, like you need to know, you were talking about training, talking about objectives, you know, so now it's the same thing, knowing your objectives, but knowing mm -hmm. which markets, having a timeline, you know, so that's basic for this localization strategy to expand mm -hmm. internationally, because also, if you don't, you might mess up. <laughs> Yeah, and you will mess up. It's also very important to remember that you need to pivot. You will need to pivot. At any given moment, you'll need to change the strategy. You'll need to you'll need to adjust. Um just as and there is no problem with that, is localization it? strategy. No, 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 no. Yeah. But but it's it's um, I mean, for localization people, it's it's sort of natural because we live in constant change. It's yeah. it's, it's a very dynamic environment. But for people for um, for people outside of localization um, industry, it might be it might be seen as you know we weren't prepared. That's why we need to pivot. That's that's not the case. Yeah. We need to be able to pivot. The strategy has to be created in a way that it allows to pivot at any given moment. Yeah, it might be seen as a mistake, but it was not. And you might learn from what you did and just change exactly. the, the yeah, change the way mm -hmm. you go. Yeah. That's a great learning and takeaway. Thank you for that. Uh so this is going to be my last question. We're almost at the end. Uh any insights you would like to share with our audience on what you see as uh, the key innovations or mm -hmm. industry trends? Because you've been mm -hmm. at many events, so you probably have been listening <laughs> well, a lot of interesting stuff. Obviously, AI and everything that it can do. But I'm not interested in how, um, you know, GPT can help us translate. Mm -hmm. Absolutely not interested in that. Uh, GPT as a translation engine, nope. That's absolutely, absolutely not what I'm looking for. But the capabilities of um, capabilities of Gen AI to be able to support localization in some of its tasks that's absolutely amazing i i have been really excited recently about using ai to conduct some automatic post editing i'm really excited by some of the functionalities like for instance being able because you know we to give you an example uh, glossary insertion in tmss is something absolutely normal but uh, glossary terms declension that's something new mm. and I feel absolutely thrilled to be able to see how this usage of Gen AI changes the game and changes how we work with um, with uh, uh, with language and with localization. And I'm really not afraid that you know this will reduce work 
for translators or for people who actually do the work. I think it's the other, it's, it's entirely different. I think it will allow them to focus on important things. It will allow them to focus on, on style, on, on, you know, on things that are important instead of empty errors, because those will be already fixed by AI. They'll need to focus on making it sound like it was produced by a human. And that's, that's their work, right? Instead yeah, of fixing it does. technical issues. It does. I do agree. Like that that. So I, will... I'm really not afraid. Yeah, I do agree that AI will be able to help us a lot with our tasks, but more to like whatever we do, it will be able to make it better. So exactly. Yep. I do. I do agree with you. Well, uh, I'm sorry this had to come to an end, but I mean, we, we, we need to do it at some point. Maybe we could do part two sometime. Is there anything else that you would like to share with our audience today? Oh, my. Uh, oh, that's a very ended question. Um, I don't know. I, I, you're doing a great job. Keep at it. <laughs> okay. Uh, is there any way that they can contact you if any of our audience uh, want to talk to you? Of course, you can find me on LinkedIn, uh, Paulina Maklas. Uh, I think they will recognize me in the picture um, <laughs> and by the description. Uh, yeah, go ahead. You can add me on LinkedIn. You can you can send a message. I'm more than happy to to connect and answer any questions or brainstorm whatever you need. Perfect. So thank you very much. That's the end of today's show with Paulina Macles. Please make sure to tune in again to see and or to listen to the next Vista Talks show where we will be discussing more interesting topics with interesting people from all around the world. Thank you, Paulina. Thank you. Thank you.